Well, hello, ladies of sisterhood. It is always an honor to be here and to stand on a stage that I don't deserve to stand on. I didn't mean to cry in the first two seconds. <laughs> ah. a privilege and an honor that we have as followers of Jesus to be able to study his word and to speak his word and to join him in a journey to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all the world can hear and you are getting something hot off the press how to pray for our nations and how to pray for our 500 just got printed. It's a bookmark, so you can put it in your Bible. You can put it on your nightstand. You can put it where you'll see it on a daily basis. But as a church, we have a vision to send 500 missionaries out into the world. And when that vision was spoken over our church, it wasn't just for the 500 people that were going. It is for every single person that calls River Valley their church home. And so one way that we can be a part of it is we can pray. And the goal this year is that we would have a thousand people praying for the nations and for the River Valley 500. And I don't know about you, but I don't like missing out on stuff. I have serious FOMO. And so if you don't want to miss out, you want to be part of a thousand people praying. And so you can text Pray 500 to 94,000, they'll give you a number of the 500 and you can pray specifically for that person or that family unit or whatever. And if there's somebody that you want to pray for specifically, you can also go to the website and somewhere on there, I'm not exactly sure of the details, but I'm sure you can figure it out because you're smarter than me on technology. You can figure out how to request a number. And you can be praying for someone that's near and dear to your heart or for some reason God dropped a number on your heart and you're like, I want that one. And so would you just join me in being part of the thousand people that are going to pray this year for our nations and for our future 500? Amen. Hallelujah. What a privilege and an honor. My numbers are 36, 37, 38, 39, and 74 because they had a baby later when they were on the field. But um, what a privilege and a joy that I get to partner with a family that's serving in the Arab world. And um, you guys, it's not an accident that things are happening all around the world and the name of Jesus is being proclaimed. We all know that it starts with prayer. That has to be the foundation that's going to push the gospel forward. And prayer moves things and speaks things into action. There is a spiritual realm that we cannot see where light and dark are battling. And it is the prayers of his people that shift and tear open curtains. And let the name of Jesus be heard everywhere. So I welcome you to pray with us. We are one family. What a privilege it is. And Actually, we're on the topic of welcoming. So not only are we going to pray, but we're going to welcome people. That's also part of the Great Commission, is that we get to welcome more people into the family of God. And it's not too complicated. The gospel is all about an invitation. The gospel is all about Jesus welcoming people along his way. Invitations bring hope. And hope is the name of Jesus. 
He was constantly welcoming. And then he gave us the ultimate invitation to allow him to be savior of our life. We didn't do anything to deserve this welcome. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, By grace it has been, you have been saved through faith and not by your own works so that you may not boast about it. It's all based on grace, girls. We didn't do anything to deserve to have a seat at the heavenly table that we sit at. We can't work for it because if we worked for it, if it was by our right behavior, our good intentions, that means that one day we could be uninvited or we could lose a spot at the table and that's just not possible. So he said, by grace you have been saved through faith, not by your own works, so that no one may boast about it. It's all about what Jesus did on the cross that allows us to be welcomed, to have a seat at the table that we have no business sitting at amazing invitation and we get to choose if we say yes or no to it and if you have said yes or if you're going to say yes then you know what you're no longer a foreigner you're no longer a stranger you're no longer an alien because in Ephesians 2 19 through 20 it says so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We're no longer lost. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens. We have a new identity, a new purpose, a new title, a new nation, so to speak, right? We are U.S. citizens, but more importantly, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. That's what it says. We are fellow citizens. It also says household in there. We are part of his household, and household in that verse actually means extended family. So we're part of his extended family, and it says it's all built on the cornerstone of Jesus. We've been welcomed into a new family, and members of families have privileges. I have the privileges that come with being a citizen of the kingdom, but you know what family members also have? We have responsibilities. And our responsibility is to follow our Father's commands, submit to his instructions, to follow his ways, to imitate him, to participate in family activities. And so what does that look like? There's only one way to know. We look and see what our Father himself said. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Here it is. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. And then he says in Acts 1 through 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be his witnesses in your town in your country, and around the world. And then he gives us just two simple commands. If you can't get anything else, just remember this. Mark 12, 29 through 31. Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as 
yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Simply put, our responsibility as being part of the royal family is to love God, love people, go, be his witnesses, and make disciples in your town, in your country, and around the world. And some of us are going to go to the far-off places. And other of us, others, we're going to stay close to home. It's a both and. Both are needed. We need to bring people into our close place, to our home church, so that we have more people to send. See, it works like that. You multiply and send, multiply and send, multiply and send. That's how it works. That's how we build the kingdom. And how do we multiply? Here it is. We become welcomers. As a welcomer, you say, hey, I'm willing to set things aside in order to do what the Father asks me. Welcoming says, I'm ready all the time to be with who I need to be with. I'm ready to love, listen, pray. I'm ready to share the gospel. In our house, we have a sign that sits on our mantle that says, always be ready to preach, pray, or die. Because it's true. If you're ready for those things, you're ready to go. Welcoming says, I'm real. Hey, I'm a mess. Just come anyways. Welcoming says, I'm going to keep frequently the frequently coming to the place of your work because I care about you and I want to get to know you and I know I can find you at your job. Welcoming says, I'll invite you on a walk because my day is full, but I'm going on a walk anyways. Welcoming says, I see the one lady standing by herself and I'm going to invite her to sit with me. Welcoming stops for the one in the moment. Welcoming picks up a call when you'd rather not take it. Welcoming makes time to go and pray over someone when your day is already full. A welcomer shovels snow and rakes leaves for their neighbors just because. Welcoming says, if something's planned, great. If it happens organically, great. I'm ready for both. Ladies, just like the prayer. It's not hard. It's not complicated. We just have to be intentional. And we can't lose track of the why or we're going to lose track of the way. Why do we welcome? We welcome because we first were welcomed. Remember, we're house, we got seated at a table that we didn't deserve to be sit at, sat at, and then the Father told us, now that you're part of the family, you're going to love God, love people, go make disciples everywhere so that we can all go home to our eternal home one day. So I came up with five practical ways that I think make a good welcomer. Number one, abide. We must abide. We have to know our Father in order to imitate our Father. Welcoming isn't just being nice. It's being intentional to look more like Christ. Having his heart and his eyes and hearing his voice. And that's really hard to do if we're not meeting with him on a daily basis. Number two, a welcomer shares what they have. Everything we have is from him anyways, right? So just share, share what you have. Do you have a home? Open your door. Do you have a table? Put an extra chair up. Do you have a Starbucks gift card? Invite someone along. Do you have a story? Share it. We all have a story. Do you have a testimony? Use it to bring him glory. Just share what you have. Number three, a welcomer looks for the lost. Just ask the Lord to show them who's lost. 
who do I need to see? Who needs loving? Who needs hope? Remember, invitations bring hope. Hope is Jesus. Number four, welcoming will require a sacrifice. It should. It costs Jesus something as well to welcome us. You're not always going to feel like making dinner. You're not always going to feel like cleaning your home. You're not always going to feel like canceling things that you wanted to do or giving up free time that you think you deserve to have. But welcomers imitate Christ. And Christ did just that. He sacrificed himself. He sacrificed his time. He sacrificed his selfish desires. We see in Luke 10 and 11, it says, On their return, the apostles told him all they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town, town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who needed healing. Jesus and his disciples had just been out curing diseases and healing people and doing ministry. And finally, he took his disciples and he's like, we're going to go away to Bethsaida and we're going to rest. And he probably really needed it. And he probably was really looking forward to it. And what happened along the way before he got to it? People came along and what did they need? They needed to be welcomed. So he did. Welcoming is going to require a sacrifice. It may cost you something financially and personally, and it should. That's why we're going to heaven one day, because it cost Jesus something. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us. So opening our homes, our calendars, our wallets, ladies, that's the easy part as far as I'm concerned. Emily, you don't understand. I don't have a nice kitchen table. I just have a card table. I don't care. Use your card table. You don't understand, I don't have a place to live. Find a coffee shop. You see what I'm saying? Just take what you have and give it back to him so that he can use it to bring other people into the family. I say this, people aren't looking for a steak dinner. They're looking for a safe place. They're not looking for fine dining. They're looking for forgiveness. They're looking for real people living real lives, serving a real Jesus. And when they see that in you, they're going to find him. And that's our goal. Number five, a welcomer has no exceptions and no expectations. No exceptions. All deserve to be welcome. There's not one person that you're too good to welcome. Sometimes we find the most delight in welcoming people that are completely different than us. A lot of times they bring the most unexpected blessings. We have a sweet Ethiopian family that we've gotten to know over the years and we've welcomed them into our home over a table and they've welcomed us back to their house over a table. And don't look at me and think, oh, Emily, you're so great. You have it all together because as I wrote that, I was convicted in thinking of all the times I knew I needed to invite people over and yet I selfishly wanted to say, oh, but it sure would be nice to just have an afternoon to myself. But every time I gave up my own desire to have an afternoon to myself, I was immensely blessed. And we've had hours of family time with this Ethiopian family. And we've sat and we've shared stories and we've shared testimonies of the goodness of God. And we've prayed together and we've cried together. And they've believed for miracles for us. And we've believed for miracles for them. 
not a family I would have picked, but God picked them for us. And I'm so thankful. I have a friend that has a sweet family that they've welcomed from India. It's a Hindu family. They don't know Jesus. But they, again, have used the table as a pulpit and said, why don't you come in and we want to get to know you. And they've welcomed them into their home. And the Indian families welcomed them back into their home. And this Indian family, as they come and they talk and they know that this family cares about them, is going to see Jesus through what they're doing at the table. And that's our ultimate goal. That's why we welcome, because we first were welcomed. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. And if I could bluntly say it this way, we sometimes just have to get over ourselves and make time for people. No exceptions. Only in America do we put schedules, appointments, and calendars above people. And I'm not saying that as an excuse to not work hard or not get your stuff done. I'm just saying maybe you should ask the Lord how you should plan your day instead of planning your day and then ask the Lord to bless how you planned the day. I'm guilty of that myself as well. As you can see on the card, there's 42% of the world that doesn't know Jesus. And some of them, most of them live in really, really hard to reach places, which is why they're still unreached people groups because they don't have access to the gospel. And so God is such a sweet and tender God. He is now starting to bring people from that part of the world over to America. And it's said that at the U of M right now, we have six thousand yeah six thousand foreign students that are enrolled at the u of m statistics say that three thousand of them are from china and if you know anything about china after COVID, it's been super hard to get into there and we haven't been able to get any global workers back into that country and so what did god do he put three thousand of them right here in minnesota in our backyard here's another statistic 80 percent of the foreigners living in america will never be invited into american and home into american home let alone a Christian home. We just have to do better. No exceptions. Everyone is welcome. No expectations, you guys. We welcome with nothing expected in return. I know it stinks sometimes. Don't ever, don't feel bad if you never get invited back. Don't feel bad if you get a rude response. Don't feel bad if they never return the favor. We welcome without expectation. But if you're obedient, blessing will follow because blessing always follows obedience. We just open our homes and our tables and we make room for God to do the things that only he can do. A few years back, we were on a global team uh, in an Arab world and we were given the instruction as women that we weren't to look the men directly in the eye and that we weren't supposed to start a conversation with them just from the part of the world that we were in. And we had maybe been in country three days, I can't remember exactly, but we had just finished a meal and we were standing out on the corner and we had just given our team instructions to go and walk the streets and begin to pray over the people that they saw on the streets. And for whatever reason, I stayed on the corner for like 30 seconds. And in that 30 seconds, I had an older gentleman that approached me and stood right next to me and started talking to me. And so after those instructions that I just received, don't look him in the eye and don't have a conversation. My heart's going like this and I'm like, okay, I'm just kind of standing like this. But he continued to talk to me. 
And so I took it as a cue that it was okay to look him in the eye. So I turned and looked at him and we still kept communicating. And now my husband noticed I was communicating with the man. So he came over and you guys, it wasn't four minutes probably into the conversation. This sweet man said, well, I would love to have you to my house for coffee and tea. 80% of the foreigners living in America will never be invited into an American home. And so we had a conversation and my husband and I felt it was safe to go to his place. And so we brought our team and we're in the cab driving to his flat and he gets on the phone and he's yapping away in his language. And, and he spoke pretty good English. So when he got up, I said, sir, what did you say? He said, well, I called my wife and I told her that I had 12 Americans coming over and she had to have coffee and tea and snacks ready in 10 minutes. I said, just so you know, if I was your wife, I would not be happy with you. But we walked in. Oh, and you need to know they had a wedding the next day. His daughter was getting married the next day. Yeah, I know, right? So this woman, this wife gets the phone call. I'm sure she wanted to strangle him, but she didn't. We walk in, we have coffee, we have tea, we have snacks. And we sit there and we talk with him. And as we're talking, I notice that there's a small child laying on the couch, not moving. And I said, oh, who is this? He said, well, that's my grandchild. It's been super sick. Hasn't been able to get off the couch for like two days. And I caught eyes with another lady on our team. And we went, yep, we're doing it. And I said, excuse me, do you mind if we pray for that child? We believe in a God that heals. And we'd like to pray over him. And so we went over there and we laid hands on this little kid. And we prayed loud enough that he heard us say, in the name of Jesus, we ask that this child be healed. We wanted him to know who we were praying to and what we were praying for. And then we just continued our conversations until maybe an hour went by and it was time for our team to leave. And so we exchanged our thank yous and gave him hugs and told his wife, thank you so much for hosting us, even though she had a million. And she had house guests. I forgot to say that. And she had other house guests in her home. And before we left, that child that had been laying on the couch for two days was running around their house, circling, laughing. And I looked at the man before I left. I said, do you see your grandchild? And he smiled and said, yeah. And I said, Jesus healed your grandchild. When we're willing to open our homes, our lives, our tables, God can do things that we never thought possible or imagined. That man didn't know that he was opening up his house for a miracle to happen. But when we live lives with doors closed, shut our garage door as soon as we get home, don't invite people to our table, you guys, we miss out on so much of what God wants to do. And as I was preparing for this and just praying over this, I just thought to myself, here's what I said. I want to be a radical welcomer. I want to be a radical I want people to say, not in a prideful way because it's about Emily, but because it points to Jesus. I want people to say, you did what? You went where? You invited who over? You canceled what plans for them? You did what? 
I don't know, I just think that could maybe start changing a town, a state, a nation, the world, if we were radical welcomers for Jesus, not because we want to be pointed out as doing something so amazing, but because what we do imitates Christ and in turn points them to Jesus. I just want to pray that over you, Lord. I thank you because you are so good. Lord, I thank you that you give us the strength and the courage to be radical welcomers in your name, Jesus. I pray that as this group right here sitting in front of me and anyone listening, as they open their doors and open their tables and open their mouths and open car doors or whatever they have to do, I pray that there would be miracles and blessings that would be poured out that they didn't think were ever ever able to happen, Lord Jesus. I pray for unity to rise up as we welcome people that don't look like us, that don't sound like us into our homes, Jesus. And we will give you all the praise and honor and glory, and we will shout of your goodness from the mountaintops, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.